And 1 John 1, 8, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just, or this is 1 John 1, 9, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Okay? The key phrase is uh, repentance and confession. Now, we, just like forgiveness, I, I think there's a misunderstanding of what forgiveness is. I think in, for most Christians, there's a, a misunderstanding of what, of what repentance and, and confession is. Because again, I think we think that confession is something for us. It's sort of an earthly thing we do. It makes us feel better. It's cathartic. But in fact, if you look at what it says, repentance and confession is... <clears throat> is by definition a supernatural exchange. So we deal with our own sins through confession and repentance. Uh, re and by definition, repentance, as I said, is a supernatural exchange. It says if we are, uh, confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us or to purify us of our unrighteousness. In other words, something happens supernaturally when we confess. It's not just a, a judicial uh, forgiveness, but it's a supernatural cleansing. It's God who begins to work from the inside out, cleansing and, and taking the power of that sin uh, from us. So we give our sins to God through confession and repentance. We boldly and, and honestly and, and quickly come to Him and say, Jesus, here's what I've done. Here's this sin that I'm recognizing in my life. Maybe it's anger. Maybe it's you know, bitterness. Maybe it's the, the sin of, of building up protective walls. But I see this sin, and I confess it to you. Lord, I can't stop sinning just because I want to. But I can release this to you. I can confess it to you. Lord, won't you come, as you promised, and cleanse me. Just change me. Purify me from the inside out. You know, and that's what he does. In return of our confession, he forgives us and spiritually cleanses us of our, of our unrighteousness. Really, I mean, the call to repentance is a, is a call or an invitation to restored intimacy. And that's why the Lord speaks to us and calls us to, re, to confess things, because he's saying, listen, I, I want you to confess it. I want you to make this, ex, this exchange so I could restore the intimacy that's being interfered with by the sin. You know, sometimes <clears throat> we avoid repentance, like, you know, so like I used to avoid artichoke when I was a kid. You know, it's, you know, the, the, to me, the thought of eating something that could hurt you, you know, is like, what are you, my parents are trying to, you know, kill me. You know, they, you know well, you got to be careful when you eat this, you know, because it could hurt you or stick you or, it's like, you expect me to eat it when you have to give me a warning first? And, and when we think about repentance, we think about repentance as something that's, I guess it's good, but it, it, you know, it, it just sort of hurts, it's uncomfortable, you better watch it, you, know, you, you just try to avoid it. But repentance, biblically, and repentance historically in the church was something that Christians used to love. I mean, what a deal. You get to bring your sin to God and be forgiven and cleansed. Why would anyone want to re avoid repentance? It's, it's an offer of renewed intimacy. There, there's a book, some of you may have read, it's called um, 
uh, it, well, it's written by a, a, a monk named Brother Lawrence, and it's called The Practice of the Presence of God. And let me see if I have the quote. I, thought, I hope I have the quote that I was looking for. I do. Here's a quote that, that I love. It's from that book, The Practice of the Presence of God, which is just a, 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 li- or a, a compilation of, of letters and conversations that Brother Lawrence had with others. But in this one, I think this was a letter that he wrote, he was talking to a person about how he saw himself before God, how he saw himself as a, as a broken person, but how he, he came to understand God saw him. And he says to this friend, he said in the letter, I consider myself as the most wretched of men, full of sores and corruption, and who has committed all sorts of crimes against his king. And touched with a sensible regret, I confess to him all my wickedness. I ask him to uh, ask his forgiveness. I abandon myself into his hands, that he may do with me whatever pleases him. And then the king, full of mercy and goodness, very far from chastising me, embraces me with love, makes me eat at his table, serves me with his own hands, gives me the key to his treasures. He converses with me and delights with me incessantly. In a thousand ways, he treats me in all respects as his favorite. He says, it's thus that I consider myself from time to time when I'm in his presence. See, Brother Lawrence understood what this relationship was all about. This, this supernatural exchange where he gave himself first to God saying, Lord, I just feel like this piece of, of lint. And the Lord says, have I ever told you how you're my favorite? How much I love you? How much I care for you? And it just continued in exchange, in exchange, in exchange. Each time he found himself sinning, Lord, here I am fallen and broken. I give you this, this pattern. I give you this thought. I give you this addiction. I have no power to fix it on my own efforts. But Lord, I confess it to you. Won't you come and begin to change me from the inside out? Just like when we first got saved, we begin to see some changes. That's supposed to continue as we continue to grow in that kind of intimacy. Repentance means to turn around. You know, from our move towards sin to movement towards Jesus. But too often what happens is when people uh, repent, they think of repentance as just turning away from sin. But that's just half the story. Repentance is turning away from sin so we can refocus and, and fix our eyes once again on Jesus. And that's the source of our healing. And if as as pastors, as leaders, as people who are just friends with others, if we're not helping them reconnect with Jesus and learn how to hear his voice and learn how to connect and learn how to receive, then we're not really doing anything of eternal value. We might be able to help them to feel better, but we're not providing what people really need. Having abandoned Christ and found themselves going the wrong direction We need to not just get them to abandon the dry wells. We need to get them to reconnect and and learn how to connect with the Lord. We repent even if our society says that the behavior is okay. And there's a lot of behaviors that our society says that are okay, that are absolutely, that are sin. You know, and one of them is this issue of self-protection. 
it's very popular now to, to build walls, to build boundaries, and we, 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 we cut people off and say, I'm just bu building boundaries, when actually all we're doing is we're just protecting ourselves. You know, or the walls that we build, you know, I'm never going to let somebody hurt me like this again. I'm never going to get close to somebody like that again. Those are just our sinful responses to sins committed against us. Do you understand that? And, and one of the mistakes that we make when we help somebody, we help the person forgive, you know, the other person. But we also need to always look at what are their sinful responses. You know, David, for instance, who, or not David, what did I, uh, that, well... Jerry, I call him. Jerry, who's, who was hung over the rafter in the, in the, uh, the uh, burlap bag, Jerry had to deal not just in forgiving his father, but he had a whole host of his sinful responses. His anger towards others, his walls that he built towards people, his self-hatred, all of those were sinful responses that he had to then confess and repent of. So any time we're asking someone to forgive, you know, we also need to look at the other side. Now, what are they doing that's their sinful response? So that we're dealing with forgiveness and repentance all the time and always in, in the presence of the Lord. We repent of our sinful responses to sins committed against us, like, as I said, defense mechanisms, these self-determined boundaries or vows. You know, when a person makes a vow, we need to look at that with, uh, as something that needs to be repented of. You know, the person who may have been mistreated by men their whole life, and they, they have this vow that I'm never going to let a man get that close to me again, or I'm never going to let a, a woman get that close to me again. Those, those vows, those walls that we build, it's by definition, it's sin. It's saying, Jesus... I don't trust that you will take care of me, so I will build these walls and make these vows to take care of myself. It needs to be confessed as sin. We repent of attitudes and actions. We repent of both intentional and unintentional sins. We repent even if we fear that we may fall again. See, repentance isn't a promise not to fall or not to sin against. But it's a response to God's invitation to a restored relationship. And it's a response to, to God's offer to say, I can, will come and work by my spirit to make you uh, or to give you or provide you the power that you don't have to fall again. We don't need to repent of temptation. Temptation is just the enticement to sin. We do need to repent, however, of introspection. And that's a common sin in our culture, and one that also is very culturally acceptable. You know, this, this, this looking inside, this, this desire to, to understand yourself well enough so that you can somehow control it or fix it. Introspection is, is basically just our way of, of dealing with life. It's our way of feeling like we have control over life. Introspection can be our, our, the way that we try to escape from life. But any, any reason why we, we engage in introspection, we need to understand that it's, it's just going to always uh, be a void of God's presence. In other words, we deal with life sometimes by uh, introspecting in these inner dialogues, through these inner dialogues. 
You ever sit there at night, you're laying in bed, okay, tomorrow I'm gonna to go to work, and let's see, if my, if my coworker says this, I'm gonna come back and say that. And, and, but then they may say this, so if they say this, then I'll, and you rehearse all these, these, these uh, uh, dialogues and these conversations you're gonna have the next day. It's just introspection. It's trying to cope or deal with life through an artificial means. Rather than saying, Lord, I'm anxious about how, I'm gonna, how I should relate to this person. You know, I give you my anxiety, Lord, I'm going to trust that tomorrow you'll give me what those words you want to say, rather than having me rehearse every, everything tonight. Or sometimes it's the other way around. What we do is we, we rehash every conversation we had during the day. I can't believe what Joan said. And then we let it go through our mind and, and we think, oh, I should have said this, that's right, I should have. And, and we're just rehearsing all that went on. And it's, it's simply introspection and it's just our way of coping with life. I'll, get, I'll find peace, I'll find some inner rest rather than all this anxiety I feel by going over every conversation and rationalizing every conversation and, and sort of trying to tweak them so I feel better. Rather than saying, Lord, I don't know what I feel about what Joan said, but I, but I just know that I don't feel at rest, but Lord, you know who I am, and you know what I am, and you know my motivations, and you know, I give you the conversation, won't you give me your peace? You know, what, is, what does Paul call us to do? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, through prayer and supplication, make your requests known to God, and the peace of God, which goes beyond comprehension, will guard our hearts. We give it to Him, and in exchange, what does He give us? His peace. Uh, we talked, I think, earlier today about the difference between self-examination and introspection. Self-examination is something we do with God's presence. He takes us on a tour of things He wants us to look at, whereas introspection is just uh, sort of a, a, a pursuit of on our own, a self-guided tour, looking inward. And oftentimes, underneath introspection is this issue of fear. You know, fear of rejection, fear of abandonment, fear of, of, uh, of being hurt. And, and what we need to do is we need to help a person identify what those fears are. You know, let's, let's put a name on it. Let's put it into words. What, what are you afraid of? Well, I'm, I'm afraid that, that people will think I'm foolish or I'm afraid that people will think I'm bossy. Or I'm, you know, the reason I introspect over every, all these conversations is I'm, I'm afraid I'm, I'm not going to be liked or I'm not going to be accepted. Well, why don't you, okay, now that we got it out in the open, why don't you go to the Lord? Tell the Lord what, what the fear is. Well, Lord, I'm, I'm afraid that I'm, I'm not going to be accepted. 